You are listening to Kurdish Woman Podcast. KWP, a platform for and about Kurdish women. Follow KWP on Twitter at KurdishWPodcast. Hello, Kurdish Woman Podcast listeners. I am Ruken Isaac here in Washington, D.C. Today, I am hosting this episode with Ronay Bakan on femicides in Turkey from a Kurdish woman's perspective. Ronay Bakan is a PhD student in political science at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, Maryland, and she's a Kurd from Turkey. Welcome to the KWP, Ronay. Thanks a lot, Rukan, for having me. Uh, Ronay, as I said in the introduction, today's topic is femicides in Turkey from a Kurdish woman's perspective. I would like to start with your recent article that you co-authored with Dr. Seda Saluk on Jadalia. Well, there you discussed the recent challenge accepted campaign uh, started by women in Turkey, which then spread to the world. You know, I'm talking about the black and white selfies that are posted by women against femicides on social media. It looks like it has been a successful social media campaign. It caught the attention of many women around the world, especially here in the United States and across the world. But there is something missing there. And let's start with the missing part that you also discuss in your article. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. So, as you know, towards the end of July, there has been a global social media campaign under the hashtag of Challenge Accepted. And many women across the world start to share their black and white selfies, pictures with this hashtag uh, alongside with other hashtags such as like women empowering women and so on. And this uh, got many like attention from like all around the world. And like it was a successful campaign, but it was also there was also a lot of discussion about the origins of the campaign or what does it mean or like whether this can represent like women empowerment and whatnot. But like when we look at how this campaign happened in Turkey, we can see that it was also like it took place in a tumultuous times in Turkey and like it was the time when women and feminists from Turkey were shaken by the terrible death of a young Kurdish woman, Pınar Gültekin, by her ex-partner, uh, Cemal Metinavcı, uh, in the midst of also other discussions uh, based on like government's attacks towards the Istanbul Convention. So there was there was actually a lot going on in Turkey when this global social, social media campaign started. And like during that time, like just a couple of days before this uh, social media campaign, there were protests everywhere in Turkey. And in this protest, women and feminists all around Turkey took the streets to demonstrate their outrage after Pınar's brutal murder, uh, as well as like point out the fact that they also urged the government to not to withdraw their signature from the convention. So Istanbul Convention is important here because it's the convention, like human rights convention, which aims to prevent violence against women. And Turkey is one of the first uh, signatories in this convention. And the government has been uh, attacking uh, the, the feminist movement or like women in Turkey by threatening them to withdraw their signature from the Istanbul convention. While in Turkey, women were waking up with table news every day with murders with rape stories and whatnot yeah so 
uh, this street protest in Turkey, followed by social media campaigns under the hashtag of like Istanbul Sözleşmesi Yaşatır, which means that Istanbul Sözleşmesi keeps women alive. And like a couple of days before challenge accepted, this hashtag of Istanbul Sözleşmesi Yaşatır were already everywhere. But like when challenge accepted started as social media challenge, feminist women from Turkey successfully appropriated this challenge and started to post their black and white pictures uh, with the hashtag of challenge accepted, but also they added another hashtag uh, to this post, which was Istanbul Sözleşmesi Yaşatır. Again, means Istanbul Convention keeps women alive. And this became a very su successful social media move locally and globally. It gained a lot of attention and it's kind of like uh, flawed in social media accounts internationally and locally. And like many people got really curious about what does it mean? What does it mean to say Istanbul Sözleşmesi and why we are seeing this like Turkish hashtag alongside with this like global social media challenge. So in following days, uh, international media outlets and social media accounts, more like international social media accounts, filled with news explaining how this challenge has been appropriated in Turkey. And they were also providing background on Turkey, with specifically paying attention to that of Pnar, as well as women's struggle in Turkey to preserve the Istanbul Convention. Uh, when I, as far as I remember, there was something on social media trying to reveal the real meaning of that campaign. It started with that, I guess, yes? Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I remember seeing a black and white social media post explaining what does Istanbul Sözleşmesi Yaşatır means and what's the context that we are talking about by explaining the death of Pnar and also all of the debates about the Istanbul Convention. Mm -hmm. And then uh, media posts continued, like followed by international media outlets uh, covering this like debate, such as The Guardian, I believe BBC, and some other big media outlets. But like there was there was something off in these narratives, as you said. There was something missing in international media. Pnar, for one thing, Pnar has been depicted as a yet another young Turkish woman who was the victim of patriarchal violence. And all entire subjects of the feminist movement in Turkey described as Turkish women. And I mean, it was true that Pnar was a victim of patriarchal violence. However, neither presenting Pnar nor the entire feminist movement as Turkish was doing justice to what has been going on in Turkey. Okay, so so why does the erasure of the ethnic identity of Kurdish women matters in this case, Pinar Yultekin's ethnic identity? Why does it matter? And can you please contextualize this question in terms of the yeah. the current and historical state of Kurdish identity in Turkey? First of all, depicting Pinar as another Turkish woman, undermining Pinar's narrative as a Kurdish woman and her struggles and resilience as a Kurdish woman. Also, like erasing Kurdish women's stories or narrations or struggles in this picture also undermines the multiplicity of the feminist movement in Turkey. So therefore, like if we don't acknowledge these dynamics in gender-based violence in Turkey, we argued in our in our article as well with Dr. Seda Saluk, these kind of narrations perpetuate colonial dynamics in gender-based violence. Because 
Assimilationist policy towards Kurdish people have a long history in Turkey, and I mean, since the beginning of Turkish Republic, Kurdish people have not been acknowledged as an ethnic minority, their political, social, economic rights have been denied, and this situation led many rebellions, resistance, which have been oppressed violently, and people have been died, tortured, raped, dispossessed, displaced. This is the history of Kurdish people in Turkey. However, like in our article, we argue that we need to draw attention to the Kurdish women's narratives and experiences in this violent history to see the intersection of the patriarchy and colonialism and to see how this intersection perpetuates gender-based violence in Kurdish women's lives in public as well as private realms. You are listening to Kurdish Women Podcast. KWP, a platform for and about Kurdish women. Follow KWP on Twitter at KurdishWPodcast. Uh, Runai, as you mentioned intersectionality, could you please elaborate on the intersectionality? How should we approach this issue from an intersectionality perspective? Yeah, sure. I mean, to begin with, it's a very obvious reality that presenting a Kurdish woman as Turkish is nothing but a contribution to assimilation as policies of Turkish state. I mean, in addition to that, erasure of Kurdish identity in the narration also obscures the struggle of a woman as a Kurdish woman in her life, right? And I believe uh, one cannot just like tell Pnar's story without mentioning how embedded her story is in the story of dispossession and displacement of Kurdish people during the civil war era of the 1990s. Or when we draw attention to Kurdish women experience, it would also help us to see the state that violence towards Kurdish women, where state becomes the main perpetrator, right? And historically, Kurdish women have experienced state violence in prisons or elsewhere in the form of torture, rape, that, or in the state courts, uh, in the form of impunity. I mean, the murder of Fatma Altunbakas, who uh, have, who has been murdered by her husband, is an example of that. Because she went to gendarmerie station, and she wanted to report her brother-in-law sexual assault, and she, she wasn't provided a translator. And she didn't have the opportunity. She wasn't given the opportunity to, to express herself. And then she just like uh, didn't have the protection. She was just like sent back to her uh, home with her husband, who killed her two days after. And Rona, uh, just give some context for the Fatma Tumakas. So Fatma Tumakas and Pinar Gültekin were murdered uh, around the same time, but. But we didn't hear that much about Fatma Altınmakas, especially in the Western media. Yeah, this is this is also the case. Also, like the today's news about how special agent Musarhan, who raped Ipek Arab for days and caused her death, and now today he has been released, is another example of this situation. And we have to acknowledge the ethnicized dynamics. The Uh, colonial dynamics, state complicity, or like direct involvement in these forms of patriarchal violence, or otherwise, the multi-layered sufferings of Kurdish women in this violent history would be erased or dismissed. And this would have an impact on every woman's lives in Turkey, no matter what their ethnic background is. This is a fact. This is, this is a common 
structure that we should be fighting against together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rona, for such a long time, and maybe still to some degree happening now, honor was associated with Kurdish women and uh, tribalism, while a woman murdered in Western Turkey is mostly perceived as a, a co- consequence of having a boyfriend uh, or a love affair, jealousy, and these are all in quotation marks, of course. While women murdered in Eastern Turkey, most of the, the Kurdish areas, are mostly associated with honor, uh, in quotation mark. Or tribalism is that true? What would you say about this perception? Do we still have them, or is this the case with Pinar Gültekin and also with Fatma Altınmakas? How would you comment on this? I mean, especially in the beginning of the 2000s, when people start to pay attention to domestic violence in the Kurdish region, the first attempt of Western media, I would say, to frame this domestic violence issue. Uh, framed under what's called as honor killings, as you said. And honor killings, as you know, had many connotations to like tribalism, feudalism, or tra- traditionalism, or whatnot. And this was a modernist colonial approach just, approach, just another example of this approach. And in this approach, Kurdish women have been seen as the victim of the backwardness of Kurdish culture or Kurdish social organization, quote-unquote. And at the same time, gender-based violence in other parts of Turkey depicted as a result of love affair, jealousy, or whatnot. And people, I mean, who work on affect theory would better analyze the link between modernism, colonialism, and love, which is in itself interesting. But the point I want to make here is that, like, both reasonings, both reasonings or logics of violence are deeply problematic, in my opinion. I mean, first of all, suggesting a murder is a result of a love or jealousy obscures the gender-based violence and patriarchal structures embedded in what is called there as love or jealousy. This is why now feminists in Turkey say that we don't want love that kills us. And I think it's a really important slogan to hold on. And similarly, like seeing the domestic violence in the Kurdish region as a result of tribalism or backwardness also obscure underlying patriarchal dynamics in that context while like kind of culturalizing this violence and culturalizing domestic violence also reproduce colonial perspective towards Kurdish culture as well as Kurdish women. Kurdish culture becomes some sort of entity that needs to be modernized or Kurdish women once again becomes a population or an entity which needs salvation by a modernizer, which in this case is, of course, modern Turkish state again. Mm-hmm. And these are all very problematic discourses that we need to fight against. Thankfully, I would say, I think the feminist movement in Turkey has gone through this debate and took a more critical stance in terms of these issues. Now I'm comfortable to actually say that domestic violence in the feminist circle circles has been understood through patriarchal relations rather than some sort of modern versus backward dilemma and this again did not happen through like a sudden realization of the moment of course it was a result of an active effort by the Kurdish women's movement critical feminists or in this case uh, we can call them allies in the feminist movement this is how we get here basically Mm -hmm. and I think like at least in feminist circles we move beyond this Mm -hmm. dilemma So, uh, like to end with, so I wanted to ask, you mentioned the colonialist depictions. What do you suggest to resist these colonialist depictions of Kurdish women? One thing that's kind of 
depiction when these colonial depictions were really like present in like my social media accounts or like elsewhere i realized that like even though we have gone through many debates or discussion in terms of colonialism in terms of like feminist movement in turkey being like multiplicity rather than like a singular woman i i realized at that point that like people were so frustrated by all the like authoritarian backlash by the government so frustrated about the murders of the women in turkey so frustrated about this debate about retrieving their signatures from the istanbul convention so when they receive this like global attention they just embrace this attention without any criticism in the first place mm-hmm. and there was like no critical assessment in terms of like uh, international media coverage of the movement as turkish feminist movement or pnar as a turkish woman i think what we need to do is to remind ourselves constantly what it means to say pnar is a turkish woman what it means to depict feminist movement in turkey as turkish feminist movement and even though we have gone through many discussions many debates in the feminist movement to evolve this struggle as a struggle of multiplicity including many women from different ethnic religious citizenship status sexual identity sexual orientation background we still need to fight against these colonial discourses when it's needed when we encounter them so our article was kind of like based on this motivation we need we want to remind ourselves and our friends feminist circles that colonialism is still here is still with us is still at play and we need to continue to fight back when we see the signs of it in globally or locally Ronay Bakan a PhD student in political science at Johns Hopkins University thank you so much for joining me today for this episode on femicides in Turkey from a Kurdish woman's perspective And I also want to thank our listeners for joining us. Thanks a lot, Rukan, for having me. It was a pleasure. You are listening to Kurdish Women Podcast. KWP, a platform for and about Kurdish women. Follow KWP on Twitter at Kurdish W Podcast.